Good morning. And thank you for those very real testimonies. They weren't rose-coloured, they weren't um, made to, to sound or to look how special. They were just real life. And uh, I appreciate you both. So thank you. Today we're going to talk a little bit about persistence. And I'd invite you to turn in your scriptures with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 18. And I'm going to read the first eight verses. Luke 18, verse 1 to 8. And of course, it's the parable of the persistent widow. Luke 18, commencing to read from verse 1. Then Jesus told his parable, then he, sorry, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them they should always pray and not give up. I like that. Not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally, I like that word, finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? There's a sermon just in that very last statement of the Lord's. But today we're going to be just talking about the persistent widow. And just as we begin, I've got some questions. How many of you have heard or said the following? And you may, some of you may have to go back a few years to your childhood year. Mom, can I watch TV? No, dear, it's time for you to do your homework. Can you remember saying one or either or both of those things? What about this one? Mom, I'm hungry. I want a biscuit or something nice to eat. No, dear. Dinner is going to be in less than half an hour. How about this one? Mom, I want to go outside and play instead of cleaning my room. You can play after you've cleaned your room and done your other chores. I don't know about you, but I'm 
This is, this is all real life to me. <laughs> what about these? Mum, I don't want to do this. Then you've got, just got to get the wine in the right cadence. I hate eating that. Why can't I go? When will you give me... And so it goes on. Now, come on, be honest. Have you ever said any of those things? And you can put your hand over your eyes if you like. <laughs> and of course, there is my favourite. This is my absolute favourite. Dad, can I go and play with my friends down the street? What did your mother say? I love that one. Don't you just love a persistent child? And can't the constant grizzles, complaints and requests drive you to absolute distraction, especially when you're so busy with trying to manage a home, pay the never-ending bills, hold down a job or run a business? It just goes on and on and on. And aren't these children so persistent? They ne they're like an ever-ready battery. They never run out. And yet, if you truly love and care for someone, you put up with it all and you seek to do your best for them. Isn't that true? Yes. And you wait for the day, and in some respects I'm still waiting for the day, when they say something like this, Hey Mum, Dad, thanks for everything you've done for me. I love and appreciate you both so much. Have you ever had that one? A few nods. I'm so pleased for you. <laughs> It's usually at this point in time that you pick yourself up from the floor. In the parable that the Lord Jesus told, he used the illustration not of a persistent child, but of a persistent widow. This poor widow, she had felt so much that she was a victim, that she had been abused, or mistreated in some way. She cried out for justice. Now, we're not told the nature of her complaint because, after all, this is only a parable of the Lord's. However, before we can go any further, we must remember that in the culture of that, of that time, it was a patriarchal society. And the place of women was very much subservient to that of men. Women had very little legal standing and very little protection under the law at that time. There was no social security net. And if a woman's husband died, she had limited options 
for her future. If she had adult sons, it was expected that they would provide for her. If her husband had a brother, there was an option or an expectation for him to take responsibility for her ongoing welfare. If there were no sons, no brothers, and no husband, then she was dependent upon what was called a kinsman redeemer. And if you want to know more about the role of the kinsman redeemer, read in the Old Testament, the book of Ruth. But her husband's property and assets, with very few exceptions, were transfer, transferred to the nearest male relative who would accept responsibility for her. Such was the life of the widow of that time. The only other options for a widow to survive was to exist by subsistence living. That is what we now call a cottage industry. You know, things like taking in the neighbour's ironing or uh, maybe doing some tie-dyeing doing some sewing and trying to sell it or to become a beggar and live off the generosity of others. Not an easy life. The other character in Jesus' parable was a judge in the city. And usually this would be a man of reasonably high standing in the community a businessman, uh, very often a carpenter, he was fairly highly respected in the community, or a person of significant property. He was usually not appointed as a judge because of his wisdom and righteousness, but because of the influence and power that he could exert. On certain days, and at certain times, he would have a seat of honour near the main entrance of the city. And people would come to him with their concerns. And his job was to advise or adjudicate a fair and reasonable outcome for all concerned. To ensure the ongoing welfare of the community. His highest priority was the welfare of the community and secondly, the welfare of the individual. In the parable, we are told something rather significant about this particular judge. He did not fear God nor regard man. In other words, he was what we would call today quite hard-nosed about how he went about his business. He was hard-nosed about how he dispensed so-called justice because he saw himself as answerable or accountable to no one. He did not fear God nor man. 
He did what he pleased. And we can only assume that in the words of the Lord Jesus, there was a hint that this man was open to a little corruption. Of course, when it was to his own advantage. You get the idea of the sort of person that Jesus is picturing here as the judge in the community. We're also left to wonder if there was, in these words of the Lord Jesus, a bit of a quiet dig at the sometimes questionable behaviour of some of the Pharisees and community leaders at that time. And could this smack a little of the old, you know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink syndrome that can see the poor, the weak, the vulnerable, so often deprived of justice and a fair go? Because, after all, what advantage would they be to this unjust judge? He could gain nothing from them. So why bother with them? What can anyone do in a situation like this? Ask yourself the question. If you were in the situation of this poor widow, this powerless woman, and you were confronted with this unjust judge, what could you possibly do? Do you simply remain quiet and accept your lot in life? Or do you take a stand and yell from the highest heights to demand justice? What would you do? Certainly in the world today, those who try to take a stand for justice and raise a cry against corruption are so often abused and violently put down. Why in the past few years haven't we seen on the media examples of this in quite a few countries where tyranny seeks to rule and subjugate the weakened or victimized, victimized populace. Look at what's happening in eastern Ukraine today. Look at what's happening in Iran. Look at what's happening in Afghanistan and even in parts of China, especially in western China. What would you do? Would you stand up and cry out? Or would you say, this is my lot in life? In the parable, we are told that this woman was persistent. Persistent in her calls for justice. And it may be that she felt totally powerless in her circumstances and had nothing else to lose. Have you ever felt like that? Because there are many today who feel exactly that way. 
I've got nothing else to lose. If I die in the process, so what? For some, death would be a release. As a result, this woman simply kept coming to the judge time and time and time again, pleading her case, demanding that he not ignore her concerns and demanding that he take the appropriate action to grant her justice. In verse 4 of our reading, we read how the unrighteous judge had time and time again dismissed her calls. Go away. Go away. You bother me. You're like a fly. Get out of here. He had dismissed her calls until eventually, for the sake of peace, for the sake of quiet, he agreed to hear her complaint and adjudicate on the merits of her case. How embarrassing this must have been, not for the woman, but for the judge to be so pestered day after day until he finally had to take notice of her pleas. So, what do we learn from this? What was the point that the Lord Jesus was trying to make to his hearers? To be sure, he was making a contrast between the attitude and behaviour of the unrighteous judge and God. He wasn't saying that this unrighteous judge is like God. No. A contrast. As you see this unrighteous judge, that's not what God is like. He was also clearly pointing out that those who trust in God should continue to plead their case and their cause and pray. Pray to God for righteousness, for justice in a world that is so largely devoid of both. We are not told the nature of the widow's complaint, nor the eventual judgment of the unjust judge. So we often do not know how and when God exercises his power and judgments on behalf of the powerless, the victimised and downtrodden. But that doesn't stop us praying. We don't only pray because we see immediate answers to our prayers. We pray because we know God is a God of justice. God is a God of righteousness and faithfulness. We pray because of who he is. And we pray trusting that he will bring the answers, his answers to bear at the right time. It is by faith. And often our own personal experience that we know 
we know God does work to be a blessing toward those who are called by his name. We read in Romans 8, verse 28, we know that all things work together for the, the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. Surely that's your favourite scripture, isn't it? I knew that. <laughs> Do we need to know and understand everything that God is doing in the world today? No. No. If we did, would we be able to comprehend and understand it all? I certainly couldn't. My mind couldn't take it all in. I just trust God. And I know him to be trustworthy. You see, as we look at the world around us, we can so often be overwhelmed by not only the big picture view of the nations, but also the individual needs and minutia in people's lives. My mind can't take it all in, but God can. And he does. And he brings to bear his will and his purposes at his time. And I trust him. Today, I can only imagine that believers in both Ukraine and Russia are each looking at the situation between their nations and based on what they hear from the media and other sources, their prayers of faith are probably quite different. And so it is with us. Whatever our prayer concerns may be, they arise out of our current understandings and perceptions through the filters available to us. And all we can do is bring these concerns and these needs before the Lord in a spirit of earnestness and persistence, trusting that over time, we will gain more understanding from God's perspective. And that's important. That we don't just see things from our perspective, but that we begin to see them from God's perspective, which is always good, always righteous, and always holy. Church, it is obvious to me that only God can make wise, good and righteous judgments that will be based potentially, sorry, that will balance potentially conflicting interests and needs. All we can do is continue to bring before God those situations, those needs, as we see and understand them and trust that he will exercise his righteous judgments at the right time. You know, one of my favourite passages in the Bible is found in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future.
How good is that? Is that one of your favourite passages? It is mine. It is mine. But this verse is not simply for you and for me today. We must realise that it applies to everyone. Everyone who has surrendered themselves to the Lord and put their whole trust in the Lord. Bruce, Rosalind, this is God's promise for you as well. And you can hold on to that. His promises can always be trusted. Make no mistake, God is a holy, true and righteous judge, unlike the unjust judge in the parable. God is incorruptible and he does not vacillate between competing interests to see which would be to his greatest advantage. When we come before him and when we plead our cause in prayer, whatever it may be, either in intercession for others or petition for ourselves, we can be confident that he will not only hear our concerns, but will also exercise his righteous judgments with all justice and mercy. Unlike the persistent widow who made a pest of herself because of the ignorant behaviour of the unjust judge, we do not need to make a pest of ourselves and keep demanding God to act the way we may want. The Lord is not our enemy. He is our advocate. And we can trust him in all things. As we read, or as we read in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Present it. Present it. Oh, church, how good is this? How good is God? As we sang before, how good is God? What all this means is that unlike those who have no faith, no expectation of enduring justice, no avenue for true righteousness and no hope for their ongoing security and well-being, we have a peace and assurance that transcends beyond the human condition. We have an investment in the only one who can bring a lasting security and well-being for our future. Oh, and remember this. The world may scoff and ridicule our faith. They may scorn our love for and hope in God. But they're lost whether they sense it or not. And I know one thing with assurance. I've been found. I've been found by God. In verse 6 of the parable, the Lord Jesus said, hear what the unjust judge said. And what he said was, 
Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she wearies me. This serves to remind us that even in an unjust and corrupt world, there are times when a measure of justice will be granted even by the unjust judges. Although the unjust judge was eventually persuaded to grant a measure of justice to the woman, the Lord Jesus reminds us in verses 7 and 8 of how much more God will avenge his own elect. All we need to do is continue to be God's people where a vital, a persistent prayer re relationship with him is a hallmark not only of our worship, not only of our love, not only of our praise and adoration of him, but also that we are his people connected with the wider world in meaningful ways that lead to reasoned and effective prayers of intercession and petition. As we close, let us never forget our holy and righteous judge, the one who fights for us and brings to bear his solutions for our lives. As we read in Isaiah chapter 28, verse 29, all this comes from the Lord Almighty, wonderful in counsel and magnificent in wisdom. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, these parables of the Lord Jesus are so revealing. They are so wonderful. Because, Lord, in these parables, we learn your heart. We learn those things that bring you delight and pleasure. We learn your very nature that you are not just a God of love, but you are a God of mercy, a God of grace, a God of righteousness, a God of peace, a God of justice. Thank you, Lord God. And thank you that as we read and study these parables of Jesus, we can grow to become the people that you have called us to be. It's a journey. And thank you that you are with us every step of the way. And Lord, thank you that we can pray to you any day, any time, knowing that you will hear and you will answer our prayers. To God be the glory. Amen.